This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. But turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew, the fifth chapter. And we are beginning a brand new series. We're calling it World Changer. Everybody say World Changer. God wants you and I to be world changers. Amen. And before we get into the message, I want to I pray for us, and I've got a little story I want to tell you, and then we'll get into it, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, in, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise and honor and glory. Lord, we, we thank you for the Word of God today. Lord, we thank you that it's powerful. We thank you that it produces fruit and produces faith in our life. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who motivates us to do all of your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story goes like this. Here's this kid, and... He grew up, you know, he was six or seven years old, and he loved baseball. He loved baseball. So one day he walked out into the yard. He had his bat in his hand. He had his glove, had his hat on, had a ball. And he walked out in the, in the middle of his yard, and he made this great announcement. He said, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he, so he threw his ball up, and he swung. He missed. He had a strike one, strike one. And then he, he kind of reset himself, and he got his ball. He threw the ball up in the air. He took a cut at it. Strike two, he missed it again. Unfazed, he just kind of put the bat on his leg and spit in his hands, rubbed his hands together, straightened his hat up, looked at his bat real close, threw the ball up again, swung, strike three. He said, wow, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> you know, God has, uh, there's something in each of us. There's, there's this, this innate desire in each of us in this room today to uh, live a life of significance, to do something significant with our life. And that's given by God, that he wants us to do something significant with our life. I've never met one person who, they, they might not be living a significant life, but I've never met one person who says, you know what, I don't want to accomplish anything in life. I don't want to make any kind of difference in life. I just want to live and I want to die and I want to go unnoticed and I don't, want, I don't want anything to happen as a result of my life. I've never met anybody like that because on the inside of each of us, there's this desire to do something great. And that desire has been given to us by God to do something great, to do something powerful in our life, and really to be a world changer. You know, several years ago, a movie came out. It's called The Son of God. I think it's back in 2014. And in this movie, uh, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when Jesus is out on the boat with Peter. And you, if you read the scriptures, you know that Jesus got into Peter's boat and they pushed out a little bit from the land and Jesus began to teach the people from the boat. But in the movie, they took a little cinematic liberty there. And so in this scene that Jesus turns to Peter while they're out in Peter's boat and I mean, the wind's blowing, it's raining. He looks at Peter real intently, and I mean, he's just looking into his eyes. He says, Peter, follow me, and we'll change the world. Follow me, and we'll change the world. And how many of you know that Peter was very instrumental in bringing change to the world? As a matter of fact, if you read over in Acts chapter 16, it says this, and this wasn't, this wasn't by any means a compliment, but in Acts 16 some people who were getting jealous because Christianity was taking root and the word of God was spreading and it was making, getting results. And they said, those who have turned the world upside down have come here. 
Well, you know, we got news for them. The world was already upside down. The world is upside down until Jesus gets his hands on the world, right? And then the world is turned right side up. So he said, uh, Peter, Jesus said to Peter, he said, follow me and we'll change the world. And God has called you and I to be world changers. He's called us to make a difference, and not just a temporary difference, not just a temporal difference in the world, but an eternal difference. He wants to use you and I to rewrite other people's stories. Every single person in here, if you're saved, you can, you can look back on your life and, and, and you can look at people that God has used in your life to bring change to your life or maybe they invited you to church or maybe they shared the good news of Jesus with you or maybe they prayed for you or maybe they've done all those things for you but God used them to bring change to your life amen and so uh, in Matthew the fifth chapter Matthew the fifth chapter Jesus said this in verse 13 he said you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? In other words, how will the earth, how will the world be seasoned if the salt loses its flavor? Most of us in here today realize that the world needs to be changed. How many of you agree that, man, this place is it's getting rough, it's getting, it's getting bad, and it's just a fulfillment of prophecy the, the word says that in the last days, perilous times will come, dangerous times. It said men will be lover the, lovers of themselves. They'll be lawless. They'll be haters and despisers of God. They'll, they'll despise parents. And, and so we see this going on in the world right now. And uh, it, things seem like they're getting darker. And so we all would agree that the world needs to be changed. And so we look for somebody to change the world. We look for a politician if we can elect the right guy, if we can elect the, the right woman to office, then the world will change. Or we look for, we look for an inventor. If, if somebody can invent a better phone because uh, my old phone's not working that great. Or if, you know, we, so we look for people that can change the world. But when God wants to change the world, he looks to his people. I was reading over in Luke, the first chapter, and the other day, and it, and it talks about this when, when you know, when in the days of Tiberius, and Caesar, when so-and-so was the governor of this city, and so-and-so was the governor of this city, and so-and-so was the governor of this city, just, and it just listed, a, a, you know, just a long list of politicians. It said the word of the Lord came to John. Whenever God wants to bring change, he's not necessarily looking for a politician. He's looking for someone who hears his voice. He's looking for someone who will hear his voice and respond to his voice. You know, over and over in the scriptures, we see this phrase. If anyone has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. You know, the Holy Spirit is always speaking. For God not to speak is against his character. For God not to speak. And, and that, you know, I'm amazed that a lot of times people, they'll, they'll kind of speak mocking. Well, those people say they hear from God. Well, you know, and, you know what, what's the deal? These people, are they always hearing from God. And my, my thing is... You know, what's wrong with you if you're not hearing from God? Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. We're supposed to be hearing from God. We're supposed to be hearing from him. He, he, he speaks, and so the Holy Spirit speaks to his people. He'll, and not out here in this, this physical, natural, mental realm. He speaks on the inside, in your heart. He speaks in your heart. And if you'll learn to hear his voice and 
understand and distinguish his voice from all the other voices in the world. The word says that there's many voices, many voices in the world, many of them. But when we learn to tune in to the frequency of his voice and hear his voice, he will use us to change the world. Not a politician, not an inventor, not some superstar, but just normal people. So John was kind of normal. Well, he, and he was kind of abnormal, too. I mean, the word says that he lived out in the desert and he ate locusts. How many of you, y'all, y'all in here this morning? Y'all supposed to go, ooh, <laughs> eating locusts. I remember Tammy and I took a trip to Thailand a number of years ago. And, and uh, you know, in, in countries like this, they have all these street vendors. And so they're, you know, they're cooking food on the street. And people are, I mean, they're just in line buying this food. And so we're, we're riding down the, the road. And, man, have you ever been there? Traffic in Thailand is, man, you, they got two lanes of traffic. And they got six lanes going, you know, it's, and so motorcycles and people just going everywhere, and you just got to learn to get in the flow of it and go with it. But anyway, we, we passed by, and I saw this, this hand cart and just piled high with this, this just a, a golden mound. And, and people were standing there, and they were bagging it up and selling it. And I'm going, what is that? And the guy said, that's roasted grasshoppers. Roasted grasshoppers. And I said, sounds great. Where's the chicken? You know, so. And... Uh, and so John's out there, he's eating locusts and wild honey, and people are coming to him. People are coming to him out in the desert. and I mean, they're going out of their way. Why? Because when, when someone submits their life to the lordship of Jesus, when someone submits to their life to the plan of God, when, when God can get someone to hear his voice and respond to his voice, he will use them no matter how normal they seem. Because, you see, some of you think, I'm not a world changer. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm an employer. I'm an employee. I'm, you know, I'm just... You know, I'm just a, I'm an everyday guy. I'm an everyday gal. I'm not anything special. But that's exactly who God wants to use. He doesn't need a superstar. He just needs someone who will hear his voice and respond to his voice. That's all he needs. You know, I was thinking this morning, I just stand amazed that, you know, sometimes God uses me. Tenth grade English is the best three years of my life. I mean, it was... It was awesome, and I wouldn't stand up in front of people and talk. I was petrified. I mean, it was this inordinate fear to get in front of people and talk. When Tammy and I first met at Bible school, and I was just kind of warming up to the idea, I'd, I'd, I'd preach exactly probably, well, I'd been preaching for a year, but still just kind of shy. And so she took me to this, this Christmas party with all these, you know, Bible college people and and so I walked into the door and I just planted myself right on the inside leaned against the wall people say hey how are you doing good <laughs> and that's about you know and still as of today that's about all the answer you're going to get from me you know if you ask me a question I'm going to answer it with one word I don't know why you'd need more than that okay but I just had this inordinate fear to get in front of people and talk just man just just fear to do it but how many of you know that God can change a person he can change you he can change you and all he's looking for, for is someone who will who will just grow accustomed to his voice and then respond and so in here today the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to hearts he's going to be speaking to your heart and sometimes what he says is not exactly what we want to hear 
You know, sometimes the, the Lord leads me to preach and teach on things. It's things I just don't particularly want to preach and teach on. But part of my job is not just to make you feel good. It's to instruct. It's to correct. And we're not going to try to do that today. But it might happen today. <laughs> it may happen. Not trying to do that. I mean, I'd, I would rather not. I'd, I'd rather everybody just get goosebumps and, man, everybody leave out. Woo, yeah, and, and, and be like that. But sometimes we need, we, we need something that would just really provoke us to grow in our relationship with God and sell out to God just a little bit more. I give just a little bit more of ourselves to him, right? And so Jesus, back to the scripture, he said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. In, in the message uh, paraphrase, it says this, let me tell you why you are here. Now, a lot of people, I heard somebody say this, that, that most people live and die, live and die, and never really find out what they were here for. Someone said it like this one time, that the two most important days of your life is the day that you're born and the day that you find out why you were born. The day you were born and the day that you find out why you were born. It's, it's tragic for, for a person to live their whole life, to live out their whole life and never have this sense of satisfaction, never have this sense of fulfillment, never live life with a sense of purpose. But God wants you to. And, and notice what he says, let me tell you why you're here. You want to know why you're born? This is why you're born. Jesus said, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors on this earth. That brings out the God flavors. You know, when people get around you, they ought to taste God. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When people get around you, they ought to be tasting God. They ought to, they ought to have this essence. They, they, you ought to leave them, and, and they had just been with God. There should be something about our life that when we come into contact with people, we say, man, I was just with God. I've been reading back through some old literature of old, old-timey saints and, you know, people at 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, and, and their devotion to God and their relationship with God. And over and over again, you see that people say, when you, when you met with that person, whether it was five minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, you know that you had just been with Jesus. You were just with Jesus. Man, I don't know about you. That's what I want for my life. You know, with Peter and John, it says uh, they met some people, and they said, and they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. So what are we here for? We're here, he said, let me tell you, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors on this earth. He said, if you lose your saltiness, if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you lose it, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. That's, boy, that's edifying. Now, I don't, that doesn't, he didn't say you're going to go to hell. He just said you're, you're going to be on the junk heap. I mean, we, here's the thing. Everybody in here wants to be used of God. Everybody in here wants to do something significant with their life, to, 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 be, to make a difference. Everybody does. And God wants that for us, right? But there's some things that we have to do. And one thing that we can't do is lose our saltiness, lose our seasoning. Is that right? Um, one day a missionary asked Mahatma Gandhi, now you know who Gandhi is, right? He invented rice. 
You know, you buy it in a box. Okay. Not really. So he said, what is, what is the, and they asked, he said, what is the greatest hindrance to Christianity in India? And his response was very quick and very decisive, and he said, Christians. Christians are the greatest hindrance to Christianity in India. Christians are. Wow, what a testimony that Christians who are to be spreading it are the greatest hindrance. And, and some, someone else has said, it seems like you dislike Christ even though you quote him often. Why is that? And he said, I don't dislike Christ. I dislike Christians because the Christians I know don't look anything like the Christ they promote. Do you know that some people, not in this church, of course, but in other churches, <laughs> so, some folks have family members that are not Christians because they have another family, family member who claims that they are. Y'all doing good this morning? <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon, old-time pastor, he, said, uh, he, he speaks of, the man who preached so well and lived so badly that he, when he was in the pulpit, everybody said he ought never to come out again. And when he was out of it, they all declared he, he never ought to enter it again. What, what, what's he saying? It's that sometimes that we can have this dual life. We can have one life in public and we can have another life in private. And the private life and the public life don't match up. They don't sync up. They're different. That's called hypocrisy. And if we want, if we want to be used of God, if we want to be a world changer, there must be some integrity in our life. Integrity produces influence. Integrity produces influence. And so what integrity is, integrity is a wholeness. It means that your life is whole, that it's not, it's not fractured, it's not segmented. You're not one way in private and then another way in public. You, it's, it's a whole life. There's integrity, and in, integrity produces influence. And so if we're going to be effective for Jesus, if we're going to be a world changer, we'll have to have some influence. And let me just let me make this statement, that your behavior or your conduct has nothing to do with your acceptance with Christ. Did you know that whether you act bad or you act good has nothing to do with your acceptance with Christ? Acceptance with Christ is a free gift. It, it comes by faith alone. You put your faith in Him. It's not about your works. It's not about your behavior. It's not about your conduct. Not about that. But your usefulness for Christ, your influence for Christ has everything to do with your behavior. It has everything to do with your conduct. So let me say it again. Your, your acceptance with Christ has nothing to do with your behavior, but it has everything to do with your influence. So if we want to be influential for Christ, we have to pay attention to our behavior. We have to pay attention to our conduct. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? We have to make sure that we do. So I want to, I just real quick, real quickly, I want to, I want to talk to you about salt or how salty is your influence? 
How salty is your influence? Because we know this, that we, you know, if, if we lose our saltiness, well, then we're not going to bring out the God flavors on this earth. I mean, people are going to get around us, and they're going to have a couple of different responses. And so, first of all, you got the saltless influence. Now, how many of you have put salt on your food? Let's see your hand. Put salt on your food. Uh, let me, let me, how many of you like eggs? Anybody here like eggs? How many of you like egg whites? How many of you like egg whites without salt? <laughs> you know how much flavor is in an egg white without salt? None. No flavor. It's, it's bland. It's tasteless. It's pretty nasty. Right? It's pretty nasty. You know, other words, it's insipid. It's just... Egg, I don't like egg whites. I, I, like, I like my yolk running a little bit, and I, I like a little bit of flavor, and, and I like salt, and I like pepper. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want bland, right? And the world doesn't want bland. And unfortunately, many Christians, they've lost their saltiness. They've lost their seasoning. And there's no difference between them and the world they're claiming, they're endeavoring to reach and make a difference. It's because their, their life has become bland. You know, why would somebody want to come over and join you when you're preaching life change when there is no evident change? Thank you for the enthusiasm. And so there's the, the salt less. Job chapter 6, verse 6 says, Don't people complain about unsalted food? Don't they complain about unsalted food? Does anyone want the tasteless white of an egg? I mean, Job asked that. He way back there, you know, thousands of years ago. Nobody wants to eat the tasteless white of an egg. It's got to have some salt on it. And so you need some salt on your life. What are you here for? You're here to be salt seasoning. And so you got, you got the saltless influence, and then there, there's people, they have a salty influence. Salty. Someone recommended a restaurant to us a little while ago, and they said, you've got to go here. You, you've got to go here. You, you, just, you have to, and you need to order this particular item on the menu. It is so good. It is awesome. So I said, man, I can't wait for this. I like good food. And, and, uh, and so we went to this restaurant, and and ordered this particular item on the menu and it came back and it looked so good I mean it, it looked so good and I took a bite and everything in my mouth just shriveled up I mean it was so salty I mean it was just so salty I mean it's like huh man can't, can't even hardly breathe you know your, your mouth just dries up and I said man this is horrible just so salty and um, we don't want to be like that with the world so, you know, some, some folks can be over the top. They, they can be over the top. I mean, they're, they're too salty. You got some, some believers, they're, they're not salty enough. And then you got some folks, they're just too salty. They, they pour it on too strong. Every time you turn around, they're Jesus juking you. What's that mean? I mean, you bring something up, man, they're they going to they fire off a scripture at you. And you're going, whoa. Or they get, they get a little weird. 
God hasn't called us to be weird. He's called us to be effective. He hasn't called us to be weird. He's called us to be fruitful. He's called us to make a difference. And you, if you're going to make a difference, you can't be saltless. And you can't be salty. And so, you know, salty Christians, they, they can come across very condescending and very condemning. You don't have to agree with everybody to love them. You don't have to accept everyone's behavior to love them. There is no excuse ever, ever to be ugly to somebody. There is never an excuse to be unkind to someone. You can speak direct truth in love. And you can say it with love and you can say it with kindness and you can be direct and leave people say, you know what, they just, they just dress me down, but I have no doubt they, don't, they love me. Or you can come across hard and, and pointed and just, and, and you say, well, I'm just, just going to tell the truth, you know, because the Bible says, speak the truth. No, it does not. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. And so you got, you got these salty, salty, salty Christians course nobody in here but uh that just too over the top just too over the top in uh matthew chapter 23 verses 2 through 5 jesus said the teachers of religious law and the pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of moses so practice and obey whatever they tell you but don't follow their example you know salty salty people rarely do everything that they're telling you you should do. They don't do what they tell you that you ought to be doing. Jesus said, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. You know, in, in this this modern climate where, where abortion's concerned. Now, if you're in here and you've had an abortion, you know what? God has, God's merciful. Ain't nobody mad at you. And so we can get so... I mean, Christians can get so ugly. Now, I believe, man, it is wrong. It is abhorrible. It is, it is wrong. But if we're not lifting a finger... To lift a burden. We're not changing anything. If we're, not, if we're not doing something to lift the burden, to lift the weight, we have no idea the shoes that people have walked in. We have no idea their circumstances in their life. And if we're just hard-nosed and we're just hard and we're, we're rigid and we're mean and we're ugly, we're not doing any good. So we can be too salty. We can be such a stickler for orthodoxy. And we can be so, I mean, we can be so theological and be so point on the scriptures and be so lacking in the spirit of Christ. And that is good. 
so lacking in the spirit of Christ. And so Jesus said, these folks, man, they're, they're, uh, they know the scriptures inside out. And they're going to put it on you. And, and it's going to create a heavy burden on you. And they're not doing one thing to lift the burden, to lighten the load. They're just coming down hard with a heavy hand. Well, we're not supposed to be like that. So you've got the saltless people, then you've got the salty people. Well, then there's another group, and I believe it's where we ought to fall. There's the, the seasoned influence. We don't want to be salty, saltless. We don't want to be salty. We just want to be seasoned. Everybody see, now how many of you ever know that, I, I went to eat steak with some folks the other night. And I was so disappointed that they used steak sauce. Why would you ruin a perfectly good steak with steak sauce? Why would you, I'm just messing with them. A couple of them are sitting in here, so uh, why why would you why would you do that? But you see, you got salt salt less, and you got salty. But then you just got something just seasoned, just seasoned. I mean, just perfectly seasoned, and that's the way that we're to be. We're we're not to be salt less. We're not to be bland. And we're not we're not to overdo it. We're supposed to be right there. In the middle, we're, we're to just to bring out the God flavors so that people can taste what God is really like. Have you ever noticed that some people, they, they're trying to, that what they say, well, God did this or God did that, and you're like, oh, that, that's, not, that's not my God. He doesn't do that. And so you can be way over the top with correcting them or you can just be seasoned and just show them what God's like in Romans the 14th chapter verse 17 says for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit goodness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit so that's what, that's what our life should look like. Goodness. I mean, is God good? We, we were singing about his goodness today. He's good. He's good. You know, a lot of times uh, you see people, they're trying to get, uh, if you go to Las Vegas or something, there's, you got people on the street and they got these signs, repent or you're going to hell. And they have these megaphones, repent or you're going to hell. Repent or you're going to hell. And they're just, just salty. And that's not really doing that great of a good. But when you can show someone the goodness of God, the word, the word says it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Letting them know how good he is. The message that we carry is called the good news. What's so good about the good news? Well, the good, the, 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 the good news about the good news that you were lost, that you were dead in your trespasses and your sins, but God sent Jesus to be the penalty, to pay the price for our sins, right? 
And so the goodness of God, God's not mad at you. He's not holding against you or counting up against you your trespasses. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says. God's not holding against you your trespasses. He's not counting up all the sins. He's already canceled them out. He's not, he's not ready to, to bring his wrath down on you because you've sinned. But let me tell you something about sin. Sin has a penalty in and of itself. There is a built-in consequence to sin. God doesn't have to judge you. The sin itself has a penalty. That's why God is so against it. That's why God is so against sin, because sin will kill. Sin will destroy. That's why he's so against it. He's not, he's not mad at you. I know you've been, most of you have been told that, that you know, what, God's going to get you. God's not out to get you. God loves you. And the reason that he's saying don't sin is not because he's going to be mad at you if you do. It's because he knows that sin will kill. So remove yourself from it. Okay? So we, we want to be, I don't know where that came from, but, but we, we need to be perfectly seasoned. Perfectly seasoned. So I want to read a, a scripture to you in closing. And this is so good. Now, I've been meditating on this scripture for, for a few days now. Now, if you're here Wednesday night, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty direct and not the most comfortable thing I've preached on, but it's needful. It was needful. Because God's looking out for us. He's looking out for us. But in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, in verse 19, says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. How many of you know that He knows those who are His? If you see over in the gospel, some people came to Jesus and said, Hey, Lord, we did this in your name, and we did this in your name. And he said, Depart from me, I didn't even know you. He knows those who are his. So he said, The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity or evil or sin. What are we supposed to do about what are we supposed to do with sin? Depart from it. Everybody say, Depart. Paul told Timothy to flee youthful lust, right? So we're, not, we're, we're supposed to depart from sin, depart from evil. He goes on to say this in verse 20, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood, And clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. Everybody say useful. Anybody here want to be useful for Jesus? You, you want to be used by him? But notice, now, this has nothing to do with your acceptance with Christ. But to be useful for the master, to be used by him, there's things that we, we have to depart from. There's things that we have to get out of our life. Right? And all sin 
is not the same. Some sins, the, the consequence of some sins are greater than the consequence of other sins. And if you'll read through this, and, and let me just, I'll, I'll say this for the teenagers that are in here. You're, you're living in a very difficult time. There's a lot of pressure on you to, to do, you know, just to, to go the way that the world's going and just be loose with your mind and your body and your behavior. So there's a lot of pressure. And the world, along with the, the media and TV, has, has planted and watered enough seed where we think things are just okay. That it's okay to, you know, because... You, you remember with, the, with President Clinton, he, he said, I did not have sex with that woman. Well, obviously, he did something that was not pure. He said, well, they all have. <laughs> Probably so. That's why God's looking for a man of God. He's looking for a woman of God to bring change. Y'all are quiet in here. So, so for, for young people, your goal should not be virginity. It should be purity. It should be purity before God. Well, we didn't go all the way. Yeah, but it, it's to be pure, pure before God. Let me help you all out. Let me, let, let me help the teenagers out. Paul told Timothy, he said, instruct the younger men, that they treat the younger girls like sisters. Keep that in mind when you're on a date. <laughs> you're not going to be lip-locking your sister. <laughs> huh? You'll be going, oh, gross, you know, get away. I've got a 16-year-old daughter, and I think all boys are like that. They, they, girl, stay away from him. He's no good. I also have a 13-year-old son. <laughs> are you listening? And so Paul, Paul's saying, you've you got you to de depart from this. If you want to be useful for God. And, and so I don't have to stand up here and say, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin. You know if that's something isn't right. You know if you're watching something that's not right, that you're engaged in something that's not right, that you're doing something, there's going to be something on the inside, unless, you, unless you're, you're, your heart is just so callous, there'll be something on the inside, you know what, I probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, and, and then if you, I wonder if I should be doing this or not, guess what the answer is? No. If you're guessing about it, if you're wondering about it, depart from it. Yeah, but everybody's doing it. No, not everybody's doing it. They're, God's got a remnant. He's got a people that are going to walk before him in holiness and purity, and he's going to empower them, and the power of God's going to flow through them, and he's going to use them in these last days. So not everybody's doing it. You and I can decide if we're going to be useful to him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word. We ask that you help us, that you speak to our hearts. 
Lord, that we would, that we would hear you clearly. That whatever you say into our hearts, that we will, we, will, we will obey you. We will act on it. Lord, I pray there's anyone in here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. I ask that you would speak to them. Draw them to yourself right now. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. Now, you, you may believe in him. I believed in Jesus for years and I wasn't saved. Because, you know, the demons believe, but they're not saved. So maybe you're in here and you say, I've, I've never received Jesus as my Savior. And right now I just sense that he's knocking on the door of my heart and he's, he's tugging at my heart to, to make some changes and I want to do that. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to even ask you to stand, but right there in your seat, every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, please pray for me. I, I want to make sure that my life is right with God. I want to get my life right with God. I'm not going to bring you to the front. But if that's you, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Here we go. One, two, three, right now. Thank you. I see hands all over the building. All right, thank you. Good, I see your hand. Very good. Awesome, thank you. Anyone else, you say, please include me in that prayer. I, I, I just I want to make sure that my life is right with God. Please pray for me. Anyone else? All right, let's all do this. Let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Whether you raised your hand or not, just pray this prayer out loud together from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Make me brand new. Lord, I ask you to empower me and motivate me to do all of your will. Amen. Church, let's give these a big hand, all right?